CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Options Action special coverage of the GOP tax plan. You're looking at a live shot of Capitol Hill where the final version of the bill was released moments ago. We are awaiting those details, and it was tax hopes that fuel the rally today. All major indices closing at record highs, the Dow surging more than 140 points. The traders here standing by to break down all the market moves. Tim Seymour even stuck around for all the action tonight. But let's first get to Elon Mui with the very latest on what is in that bill. Elon. Apparently, we're having some difficulty with Elon, but... It's now uh, public. There we go. Go. Melissa, as you said, that bill is now public. And here are some additional details that uh, we have learned about what's in it. The repatriation rates are slightly higher than what we had been reporting. 8% for illiquid assets and 15.5% for cash. Previously, uh, we have been told that that rate would be 15% for cash. Also, the individual mandate, that repeal, will begin in 2019. So a one-year delay of the repeal of the individual mandate. Also, on carried interest, we are told the three-year holding period uh, that both the House and the Senate have proposed will remain. Also, the first-in, first-out provision that would limit investors' ability to choose when they sell their stocks, that is out of the final version of the bill. Now, a lot of the other sort of headline numbers that we had been reporting are now confirmed. The corporate rate would be 21 percent, and that would take effect immediately. The top rate for individuals, 37 percent, and that would apply to individuals with income of $500,000 or above or couples with income of $600,000 or above. Now, one of the key changes that Republicans made to the bill was to expand the child tax credit, make more of it refundable in order to win over Senator Marco Rubio. However, part of the way they paid for that was to limit the income level at which you can qualify for it. So before it had been $500,000, they ratcheted that back to $400,000. Also, that child tax credit would now apply only to children who were 17 years, who were younger than 17 years of age. That is consistent with current law and a little bit less than what Rubio had been looking for. So just a quick rundown of some of the uh, deeper dive details of the bill that we are learning here as it becomes public. Melissa, back over to you. Elon, how does the math shake out now? As we understand over the past few hours, Senator Rubio moves over to the yes column. Senator Corker moves over to the yes column. Where do the others who are on the fence shake out? We are still waiting to hear from some of the others, including Mike Lee, who had worked closely with Marco Rubio um, in order to expand that child tax credit. His office, the last we heard, he was still undecided on it. Also unclear where Susan Collins will fall. Um, Several of the provisions that she had looked for, uh, including an expanded SALT, as well as an expanded deduction for medical expenses, uh, those are in the bill. But she'd also wanted a vote on health care stabilization legislation, and it does not look like that's going to happen before this tax bill comes up for a vote next week. All right. Elon, thank you. Elon Moy in D.C. with a rundown of what is in that uh, tax bill put out by the GOP. We saw the rally in today's market. The markets are acting as if it's over the goal line at this point. Is this something that you should buy? Well, what's remarkable, I can just tell you in my own conversations with clients, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, big mutual funds, big pensions, half of them, fully half, believe that it's priced in. 
and, really? And, and Fully priced half, in. I mean, and another half are like, no, it's more like 60 or 80, implying that there is upside related to this political. Which is interesting because if you listen to the street, you know, my sense is that strategists are now able with some tangible numbers, and now they have them, right. um, to really put some numbers on EPS growth. And again, now that we can do this for 2018, I'm hearing anywhere from 10 to 18 percent in terms of EPS growth for the S&P. What that means is you have not priced it all in, and probably we're at two-thirds, but, but I agree. I mean, it was merely a few weeks ago where we were saying this was something that was unclear. You, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about a little bit on the desk last night. Yeah. And, you know, as you get some more data, you get some more stuff to model, okay, you can start figuring out what it does mean to EPS growth, and then you can kind of re-rate some sectors, and then you can kind of start thinking about what that means um, as it relates to economic growth. But, you know, that's the one area. I, I so, sense so, you've got some. No, no, no. Something I got I don't have any. I get it. I mean, like, like at the end of the day, you know, when, when you think about it, you could say, okay, so certain sectors should be trading in a market multiple. Some may actually see it come in a little bit, but then it really comes down to what does it mean for economic growth? What does it mean for jobs? That sort of thing. And mm -hmm. and that's the thing. I think that it's going to be a 2018 argument um, for most uh, of the year. I agree with you, but I, I think at least from the trader point of view, you can have a boost to the stock market without necessarily having that. Boost to the Correct. economy right Except away. Except for the fact that we are eight years into this this bull market, sure. and we also are in you know pretty late stage in the cycle. We're actually going to have global tightening for uh, you know for mm -hmm. the first time in a synchronized fashion in 2018. So to me, I think all those factors are going to come into play. But, but, but for the first three quarters of this bull market, this was an earnings-less recovery. In other words, we were complaining about the multiple expansion just because rates were so low. S&P was not because of the earnings was growth. If you think about this, this tax bill. Let's be very clear. This is all. A about corporate America. This yeah. does not really help uh, the individual. And in fact, in many states, it really hurts them. Be clear, 21%, uh, the repatriation of cash versus liquid is something that I think was a little disappointing, probably for many of them. In fact, I bet a lot of guys don't do anything with that number. But 21% forces a lot of reinvestment. And that's what makes the Rubio uh, posturing so important. I mean, you know, not only what he did, but for his perspective political campaign going forward. Oh, yeah, getting that oh, tax, sure. child tax credit sure. that he wanted. I want to go out to Mike Cullen. Mike, just before we were showing by sector who could benefit the most from a decrease in the corporate tax rate, is that where you should invest? Uh, well, look, I think when we take a look at what the EPS impact is, then obviously, you know, you could say, okay, this deserves a little bit of a boost in that area. I think it's important, I think Dan and Tim were both sort of touching on this, to sort of keep some perspective on this. When you take a look at the total corporate income tax revenue in the United States, it's surprisingly small, I think, to a lot of people in the context of a $19 trillion uh, GDP. So you're talking about maybe $350 billion. How much of that impact actually flows through to the economy broadly isn't going to be that great. I don't actually factor in any kind of a benefit for that, frankly. Uh, and also to the repatriation side, Let's remember that a lot of companies that had significant cash overseas found mechanisms to bring that capital to the state by obviously issuing debt. Apple is probably the best well-known example of that. So, you know, when I take a look at this, I think we probably 75% baked this into the cake in terms of S&P multiples here. All right. Well, bank stocks could be one of the biggest beneficiaries of tax reform. Um, the chart master, though, here sees some trouble in the charts for the banks. Why don't you head over to Plasma, break let's, it down. Let's take a look. We know that this group has finally caught up with the market. In fact, financials as a sector are a little bit ahead of the S&P now, having basically lagged all year. But the real question is... Um, as a bet, is, are you really going to get paid for the risk? So I just wanted to start with uh, perspective from the prior bull market high. In fact, this is starting from the exact prior bull market high, October of 2007. And if you were simply in the SPY versus the 
XLF, this is what you have, yeah? You've got this if you were in the market, and you've got this if you were in financials. I mean, that, that says a lot. Now, um, let's look at a few other charts here and then uh, go forward. In fact, um, at this point, uh, adjusted, you're not even back to new highs. Now, we know that the total market cap of financials are well above, but because of the share dilution, if you're sitting here in stocks like Bank of America or City, you're nowhere near where you were, one was, uh, in the 07 peak. Let's keep going. Now we have, I think this is important, this is exactly a year ago. This is where we had the euphoria around what is actually happening now. This is the election where financials came to life. And what's happened since, financials have trended higher all year, and yet they've made no progress absolutely dead flat on a relative basis. Now, adjusted for risk, financials have not paid you. In fact, you have uh, generated negative alpha, so to speak. But that's the question. Are they really going to do better going forward? Take a look at um, regional banks. This is even worse. So here's the same line. This is exactly election time. And what we know is, actually, this is dead flat. And the relative performance, this is the most rate-sensitive area of the market within financials, is down. And so I think that is going to be the offset to any positive relating to financials is that interest rates are really stuck. So if you were to say this was a currency, a stock, a commodity, I mean, basically, this is going nowhere. And there's nothing in this chart that I see that suggests any great upside. Or let's say it is, and I'm totally wrong, and this is some sort of head and shoulders bottom. Okay, but all you're talking about is maybe getting up to 2.5, 2.6. Are we really going to 3? This is a problem for financials. And then finally, uh, let's just look at the long-term uh, chart, back to the peaks when uh, Volcker was fighting inflation. Here is the trend line. And what we know is that you're still well within the downtrend. Yes, we haven't made a new low. That's important. But in order to validate a new cycle, you'd need to make a new high. So you've got to get above like 305. I think obviously the taxes and the politics are good for financials, but they have this burden of a very benign interest rate environment. All right. I want to go out to Mike. Mike, how are you trading the banks? Well, I think XLF is the most obvious proxy for financials generally, and it's a very liquid and tight market on the option side. And I think what's interesting, we saw the VIX close below 10 today, and that presents an opportunity if you want to buy some premium. I was looking at the March 27, 25 put spread in XLF. You could spend just 35 cents for that. Now, considering that if it went all the way through to that 25 strike, now I'm not saying it's going to make that kind of a move, you're going to get a payoff of almost 5 to 1 on this trade, and that's basically taking advantage Number one of those very low premiums, but also the fact that out-of-the-money puts haven't come in quite as much as the at-the-money premiums have, relatively speaking. So I think this is a way, and you take a look at the biggest constituents of XLF also, by the way, J.P. Morgan, Bank, Wells Fargo, other than maybe Berkshire Hathaway. We're talking about companies that all are trading at or above the average analyst price target. So these are companies that essentially are outrunning the people who follow them most closely. You don't like financials here. Uh, no, you know, I, I like his trade a lot because mm -hmm. for a couple of reasons. Okay, when, when it looked like tax was going to be a 2017 thing, the XLF was at 24 in August, and it went straight to 26. It consolidated, right? And then it made this other move, right, in the last month and a half or so, um, up to 28. So Mike's choosing 27, 25. He's giving himself three months. You know, this you don't even need anything as far as rates or tax or this and that, whatever. You could just have a good old-fashioned uh, pullback in the market, and this trade offers a really good risk-reward 
rewards. So I like the strikes and I like the expiry. All right, got to take a break here. But we're all over the big story of the after-hour session. The GOP releasing the final version of the tax bill. Representative Brady is set to speak outside his office in just a few moments. We'll bring you the very latest. Uh, much more options action on this very busy night. Stay tuned. Want more options action? It's easy. Just head to our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com, and sign up for our newsletter. We have more than 100,000 subscribers. So what are you waiting for? That's optionsaction.cnbc.com. Welcome back to Options Action. Representative Kevin Brady, chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, is set to speak outside his office at any moment. Let's get to Elon Moy with more on the release of the tax bill as we are learning more and more details. Elon. Well, the House is planning to vote on the tax bill as soon as Tuesday. That is what we have been hearing with the Senate following after that. Now, one number that Republicans are going to be highlighting is that a median family making $73,000, their tax cut under their plan, according to their analysis, would be $2,059. And Republicans have been uh, criticized for their tax plan as primarily benefiting the wealthy because many of the tax cuts for individuals expire versus helping the middle class. So that is a number you can expect to hear them talking about a lot, especially as they use this win as the crown jewel in their legislative agenda looking forward to 2018. Okay, so the median income on that figure is, is 70 what? Se uh, family making $73,000. $73,000. The tax break will be $2,059 That's right. a year. Okay. Um, and in terms of, so we know they're going to vote on Tuesday. Any fireworks expected there? Smooth sailing to the Senate, and then we, we, we start counting senators at that point? Yeah, I feel like the real question mark here has mm -hmm. been the Senate. The House has passed this with a very ample margin. Uh, the most vocal uh, sort of agitators had been the Freedom Caucus and conservatives in the House. They had been looking for a 20% corporate rate that began immediately. They got half of what they wanted in this bill, right? It's 21%, but it does start in 2018. So I think they're going to be pretty happy with what they see here. We do know that Republicans have been briefed on this bill. The conference call is uh, either just recently wrapped up or still underway. Uh, so Republican reaction will start trickling out to this. But I do expect that at least in the House, this is going to be smooth sailing. All right, Elon, thank you. Elon Moy in D.C. Again, we are awaiting Congressman Kevin Brady, chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, to come out and speak at that podium. We're going to sneak in a quick break. Options Action will be right back. Kevin Brady, chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, speaking outside his office. Let's listen We're in. We're also going to have tax relief for families who live in these high-tax states. We made that commitment to our SALT lawmakers. We would improve the bill, and we achieved that. We now have uh, a $10,000 deduction for SALT taxes. Families can fill it up with, they, with the way they uh, need for their families. Uh, we uh, have a lower top bracket, really a key ask by lawmakers in SALT states. But those help everybody in America as well. And then we uh, did uh, achieve even more middle class tax relief. And so all that was done to drive tax relief for everyone, regardless of where they live. But not attention to the deficit. That wasn't why, that, why some of that changed. No, absolutely not. That was continuing to lower the brackets, and lower the rates, make sure we're... We want people to keep more of what they earn wherever they live, and we achieve that. Sir, yeah. can you talk about the timeline of uh, who votes first, House, Senate, and when we should do that? And also, what about Senator Corker? Does that influence, uh, does that mean the Senate has not voted now? Well, I always leave the uh, timing 
in the vote to schedule for our leadership. Uh, I do know we'll be returning Monday to begin the rules process. Uh, the votes in the House and Senate uh, will uh, occur after that. Um, the timing I'll leave sequence to our speaker and leader. And yes, I, I, I do predict both the House and Senate will approve this tax reform bill. Lots of momentum of building. Well, I would direct you, we will have a joint committee on taxation. We'll lay out the revenue uh, tables here shortly. What you'll see is that there were adjustments made throughout the whole tax reform bill. Uh, there wasn't any one or two provisions that allowed us to stay under the $1.5 trillion. It really was a combination of different adjustments in different areas, which we think is the most balanced way to do it. Look, I, I think, no, I know everyone's lives will be better off under tax reform because of the tax relief families get, because of the higher paychecks, because we have a stronger economy. And again, this is all about also bringing back jobs from overseas, which if we had not acted now, we would continue to see our headquarters, our research, our manufacturing, and our jobs leave the country. And so the combination of that uh, will raise paychecks and allow you to keep more of what you earn. Maybe, and this isn't really talked about much, but we need a tax code where our local businesses can compete and win anywhere in the world, including here at home. We achieve that. We've been listening to Kevin Brady, the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, speaking about the GOP tax bill just about 20 minutes after the official filing of that bill. So what we know now is that the House will vote on the bill on Tuesday, which clears the way for the Senate to vote sometime later in the week. Tim, what do you think uh, of what he's talking about? He thinks it's going to clear. What does it mean for the market? Well, I, look, yeah, that, and that's really what we're here to talk about. So, again, I, I get back to the consumer discretionary or the, the core retail big box plays and, and then those that had the highest effective tax rates. Think of an Altria. I realize this isn't a name you think about, but, again, 39% effective tax rate, totally domestic story. These guys do great. Home Depot's paying 36%, consumer play. And if you think that the mortgage deduction isn't a big deal, then these guys are the biggest beneficiaries. Still ahead, there's a Dow stock that one of our traders says is about to take off. We'll tell you the name and how high it could go. Much more Options Action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Chip stocks have been one of the hottest trades of the year. The SMH Semiconductor ETF surging nearly 40% for its best year since 2009. And check out some of the big players in the space. Breaking out in the last six months, Micron's up a whopping 38%. Intel, NVIDIA, Applied Materials up more than 20%. Dan has uh, been hot on the space, you're looking for a bigger breakout. Yeah, specifically I've been hot on Intel for a whole host of reasons. We don't have a lot of time to get into the fundamental reasons, but the stock has had this massive rally over the last three months. And I think some of the fun fundamental moves that the company had been making through acquisitions and such over the last two years are kind of paying off. Look at that one year chart right there. It had that massive breakout after Q3 earnings. It just checked back to that, to use my main man's term here, and it kind of helped. We have a five year chart. Look at this epic 
breakout that it just kind of embarked on here. Maybe there's a little bit more room to the downside, a gap fill, that sort of thing. But look at the 20-year chart here. There is, what does uh, our lady Louise say? Well, the longer the, longer the, base, the base, the higher the space. in space. Yes, this thing has got support down about 5%, 10%, and you want to be long it. And to me, I think in the near term, you probably just want to set up with a short-term call calendar. You want to finance the purchase of longer-dated calls. So today, when the stock was trading at 44.60, you could sell one of the January 47 calls for 30 cents. You could buy one of the February 47 calls for 80 cents. That call calendar costs you 50 cents. I'm selling the January to buy the February because January options will not catch their Q4 earnings on January 25th, but Feb will. I think Feb will be the catalyst. Earnings will be the catalyst. You want to own them. So to me, I like this call calendar as a way to get long intel in the new year. Mike, quickly, uh, what do you like? What do you uh, think of the trade? Do you like it? Well, first of all, I definitely like calendars. The other thing is when you think a stock's going to move in a direction, do what Dan has done and choose a strike basically where you think the stock's going to go. That's the idea, and I think this one's a good trade. Um, just quickly, Carter, how do the charts look? I mean, he was saying did you see he those? uses no, your no, no, words, no, but did you see those nifty charts? somebody else. I, I, I mean, mean, it's I don't know. amazing. But those are great lines. <laughs> the breakout's real. The gap is real. The checkback's real. Let it rip. You concur. You like Intel. Well, yeah, and fundamentally, if you think about what's going on, you saw the first half of the year or the last 18 months has been a drawdown of inventories. Inventory build will help this cycle. It's a longer cycle for these guys. Stay long semis. Yeah. Um, if there's one caveat about this trade, what would it be? Near term, could it come back to that? Uh, you know, you know, to, gap? Could I mean, it fill yeah, that sure. gap? That's why I'm trying to finance the longer dated calls. And I like calendars in a period like that. We're going to go into this holiday period where things should settle down a little bit. That's why I'm selling January. 47 is also that prior resistance. So it could come up there and stay there. That's really what I wanted to do is inch forward over the next few months. Time for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Mike, out to you first. Yeah, if you think financials are going to pull back a bit right now, the March 27-25 put spread looks like a very good deal. Dan? Um, I like that XLF trade, obviously. And uh, I also like <laughs> figuring out ways to get along in time. Carter? XLF, the problem is that rates, I do not believe, are going anywhere fast. Tim, thanks for sticking around for us tonight. Great to be here. Special day for America on the tax bill. A sad day for us here uh, on Options Action and Fast Money. One of the best pages we've had, and we have a tremendous page program where we get all these wonderful, wonderful, talented kids Ariel Zhao is leaving us today. She's done yeoman, yo woman like work. Good for you. <laughs> all right. Congratulations, Ariel. Thanks so much for all your hard work. Our time's expired. More options action next Friday. Mad Money's right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.